You're listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. And good stuff. Go ahead and grab a seat. If you have your Bible, I hope you do go ahead and turn to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in chapter three in just a moment. Again, we're going through our series called The Book. And this morning we're in Ephesians. We did Ephesians um, in the venue back in 2019 before Pastor Dave and I got synced up on what we were covering in our messages. And so rather than kind of um, picking what might be considered like a traditional passage in Ephesians that gives you a really good insight into the whole book, we're going to do something a little different this morning. Um, that's where we're going to be in Ephesians 3, uh, verses 20 through 21. And back in 2019, I, I did these two verses as part of a, a larger uh, natural unit of text. But I feel like, man, this, this passage is, is just a good one to kind of zero in on this morning. So again, Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 20 through 21. If you need to grab a Bible in front of you, uh, feel free to do that as well. Thinking about uh, men and women or guys and girls and how sometimes the enemy seeks to destroy us, because <laughs> that's what he does. He seeks to steal, kill, and destroy, and how he tries to, to slow our growth in Christ. I think, generally speaking, uh, we, tend, we tend towards two struggles. Again, there's more than these, not limiting it to these, but I think two. I think often with, with the ladies, and this, again, I think even at a young age, this starts, I think it's, it's the issue of comparison. So, um, I, and I asked a few ladies this week if, if I was crazy for thinking that, and I, they didn't say I was crazy. Well, I'm crazy, but like, not for thinking that. Um, comparison in that, so sometimes always comparing yourself to how other ladies or, or girls are growing or doing in their lives, and that steals joy. That steals your focus from Christ and, and prevents you from, from finding your greatest pleasure and purpose in him. And so it kind of, it slows you down in your growth or, or it derails you. It, it gets you off track and you don't, be, you don't become all that Christ meant for you uh, as, a, as his follower. I think for men, a common struggle, again, not limiting it to this, but a common struggle is complacency. So with the ladies, we have comparison. I think with the guys, often it's complacency. So this, sometimes what that sounds like is, man, I'm just, just, just trying to survive. Let me say this. We all feel that way sometimes. I'm not saying you should feel guilty if, you, if you've said that before. But when that becomes the prevailing thought in your mind or kind of the soundtrack in your mind all the time, just trying to survive, that, that's, that's complacent. Or thinking about being a dad, being a father, when you're, if your attitude is always like, man, I'm just trying not to mess up these kids too much. <laughs> which totally get, amen, guys? Like, I think it's maybe uh, some good self-awareness to realize that, that, man, you're trying not to mess these kids up. Like, that's some good self-awareness. But at the same time, that, that's, that should, we should aim for a higher goal than that, right? Like, tell me, like, I, hope, I hope that one day when my kids get older, if someone's like, man, what was your dad's greatest impact on you? I hope they don't just say, well, he didn't mess me up too bad. <laughs> like, I hope I can do a better impact than that. Men tend to live in this, this defeatist attitude of like, well, just kind of same old, same, same old, just kind of on the grind. Like, again, we all tend that way. But if it becomes this complacent attitude, to use a metaphor from last week, you kind of get stuck in this ditch of complacency. That's not what the Lord has for you either. This morning, I mentioned it'd be a little different how we're doing it. We're gonna keep 
for sure this passage in, in context. But what I wanna do is really, what we, we often say this sometimes as you're thinking about how to study the Bible. So it has one meaning. The passage has one meaning. It's not just, what does it mean to you? That, that's, don't do that, don't go there, that's silly. It has one meaning, what, is the, what did the author intend? But the way it applies to our lives could be thousands of billions, right? Like it could be so many ways uh, the way it looks in our life and applies to us. What I wanna do this morning is, is walk through this text, look at what it says for what it says, and then kind of let it unload, so to speak, on men's complacency. Kind of break down and obliterate, destroy the excuses that we give as men and as dads for a while, we're just complacent. Does that make sense? I saw, I saw a, a meme yesterday that said, uh, every pastor on, on Mother's Day, it's like, we affirm you, we believe you. And every pastor on Father's Day, it's like, come on, men, time to shape up. <laughs> and I think, I think that's kind of true. But as I was, I was preparing this, like we, we probably, when I say we, I should say I, probably don't talk about this enough. Like I've only, I've been, preaching here for not quite two years and we've never really just addressed the men. And so I think it's fair to do that. And whether you like it or not, here we are. So <laughs> we're doing it. Um, I would say to, to everybody else, if you're not a dad or you're like, you, yeah, or you're a, a, a little boy or obviously you're a gal, um, you, can, you can still totally get so much from today's message. I think it may require you putting on the lens a little bit of like okay, listening, hearing what God's word is saying, kind of like help. Applying, or yeah, applying it through the lens that you need to for where you're at in life. But I, also, I would also say to the, to the young men, you're already experiencing the temptation to be complacent. And so hear the challenge from God's word this morning. I would say to the young ladies, at some point, we're not encouraging dating when you're a little tot. I mean, my Caroline Tate's not gonna date until she's like 37. So it's all good. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but I think you can listen to it also. Again, God's word applies to you, but also through a lens of, eventually, what kind of man are you looking for? Does that make sense? We're not talking about what it is to be a godly man, but still think you can kind of listen through that lens. So while I'm addressing the men, I think this is absolutely for everybody. Um, I'm gonna pray for us, and then we're just gonna, we're gonna dive into the text. God, thank you for this opportunity to, to be with your people, to, to study your word. And God, I pray that you would, you would challenge us, Lord, and specifically the men in the room this morning. God, they would not, we would not feel unnecessary shame or guilt where that's, where that's just silly. Um, but Lord, that we would feel conviction where you lead us. But God, also liberation to, to be what and who you've called us to be. So Lord, would you help us to lean in and to hear from your word, God, and that your Holy Spirit would take the truth of your word and just apply it to every little nook and cranny of our lives so we could look more like you and be the men that you've called us to be. God, we love you. We trust that you'll speak to us. It's in your wonderful, beautiful, powerful name that we pray. Amen. So just for some general context, we're gonna start in verse 14, even though verse 20 is really where we're gonna get rolling. So verse 14, Paul Paul is writing this. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, 
from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height, and depth of God's love. And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Verses 20 through 21, the doxology there is kind of a transition for Paul. He's been um, talking about all this theology of what it means to be in Christ and then how Christ brings us into the body of the church and what that looks like and how we were dead in our sins and now we're risen with him because of what he's done for us. And eventually in verse chapters four through uh, six, he gets into a little more of the practical application of what the Christian life looks like. But this prayer and this, this doxology is kind of a transition. So he's, what is his prayer for the Ephesians? And then that prayer leads him to doxology, this praise of to him who's able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think. So the idea here, her, the idea here being it's this prayer, but then that leads him to praise. And in the praise, we get some insight into who God is and what he does. So this is like just some solid theology here about who God is. And what does it say? He's able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think. He's able to do it. Able to do. We serve not some dead God that you have to go bow to the statue. We don't go to a grave and think, I wonder what he's doing in there. We serve a living, risen king, amen, who is able to do whatever he wants. <laughs> he has full authority. Like we just saying, Christ has authority with him. There is victory. He has full authority and power. He's not washed up. No, he is risen and active and living and still saving today. He's the reigning king. He's able to do. So he's not limited. He's not weak and a little, little baby king. No, he is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think. All. The only thing that is limited about God's, or the, let me say this, the only like thing that is, yeah, how am I trying to say this? <laughs> there is no limit to God's power or ability there's only a limit to our words to describe his power and ability. And I accidentally just kind of demonstrated it there, right? Like, how do I put words to this? There's no limit to what he can do. So to all that you could think or ask him to do, he's able to do it all. And not just to do that, but more than you could ask or think. And thinking about the idea that we ask God of things, God is not deaf. He hears your prayers. He's fully aware of the things, of the requests you're making known to him. And, and when you're crying and suffering, God, do you, do you hear me? Are you near me? He's fully aware. And he's able to do more than you ask or think. It's this kind of, Paul's using this in the Greek, it's kind of this, it's like the words are kind of tripping over themselves, this, 
than themselves, of this above and beyond and even more is what Paul is saying. So the things that you, you think and you kind of pray about and imagine, what if God could do this? You can't think of something big enough that God can't do. I love what D.A. Carson, he's a kind of a famous New Testament theologian. He says this, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, not only because he is powerful, but also because he is generous. He loves to give good gifts to his children. To think of God in any other way is to demean him. To think of God in this way is itself tantamount to a call to pray. We simply cannot ask for good things beyond God's power to give them. We can't even imagine good things beyond God's power to give them. Man, I love that. Why else would, would, it, would the Holy Spirit through Paul include that, that's, that he can give and do more than we ask or think? It's because God delights in hearing our prayers and saying, oh man, I, I can do better than that. <laughs> like you, Brandon, you're setting the bar here. There's so much more that I'm able to do. You're dreaming small, man. There, there's so much more. You know, we tend, all of us, but I think men too, we tend, or especially, we tend towards lack of expectation. It goes back to that complacency, right? Well, just kind of making it by. And in this passage, God is inviting. I, I can do more than you could ever amask, uh, imagine or ask or dream. I'm able to do more. He says, it's according to the power that works in us. What's that about? So, I think it's important to know. It doesn't say you are able to do more than you can imagine or think. This is not silly, good self-talk. You're amazing. (laughs) You're so great. No. He's amazing. He's great. He is able to do more than you can ask or imagine or think. Sorry, I keep inserting the ESV translation in the NIV. I'll eventually stick with the CSV, sorry. What is it, again, the power that works in us? I think there's two places that help us understand this in Ephesians. Turn over to chapter one, verse 19. Again, this is another prayer of Paul. And he's praying that their hearts would be enlightened to see these different things. And one of them is this, in verse 19, he says, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? according to the mighty working of his strength. So just for context there, he's praying that the church of Ephesus would, would their, the eyes of their heart, so to speak, would be able to see the power available to them in Christ. And he says about that power, verse 20, he exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Did you catch that? So the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the father as king forever, that same power, because Christ is in you, if you're a believer, that same power resides in you to work. Whoa. So it's not like God just like, this is not it. He's not there sprinkling out a little power. He wants the power. No, when you become a believer, you place your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit resides in you. Now that same power that raised Christ, that raised Christ from the dead, now lives in you to transform you into the image of Christ. One other little insight into that power that works in us. Look at chapter three. We're back to chapter three now, verse 16. Again, this was, we already read this. This is part of 
Paul's prayer. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit. So it's not me that is the hope of glory. It's Christ in me that is the hope of glory. His spirit working in and through me to transform me into the image of Christ. That's the power that he's talking about in verse 20, the power that works in us. So Paul says, man, to him is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. To him be glory. He is the one who's worthy of praise. So this is absolutely, and uh, uh, D.A. Carson mentioned that in the quote that I read a second ago, this is absolutely a call to pray, isn't it? Man, if this is who God is, he's able to do more than we could ask or think or imagine. Man, that's who he is. We should pray. But I think it's not just a call to pray. It's a, it's a call to believe and act on that. If God is in my corner and he's able to do more than I could think or imagine, then I should live that way, amen? He's bigger, better than I could ever imagine, so I should live that out. Just for clarity's sake, we've been watching some Aladdin at our house. <laughs> if you're reading this and, and, and you're thinking like, oh man, God's like, God's like a genie. Christina Aguilera wrote a song about this back in the day, right? You just, you just <laughs> too far, sorry. <laughs> you, just, you, just, you just rub the lamp and man, God makes your wishes come true. How do we know this? That's not how this works. One, because God, you are not God's master, <laughs> right? So it's not like you're just like, sweet God, whatever I can ask or think, you'll do. That, nope. <laughs> how do we know that even from this text? It says, to him be the glory. So this is not God saying, Brandon, how can I glorify you and make whatever you wish come true? No, this is about his glory and what he desires. But Psalm 30 is, uh, 37.4 says that when you delight in God, he'll give you the desires of your heart. So when God is what I desire and his glory and his fame and his renown is what my heart is concerned about, it's amazing when my heart is lined up with him, all of a sudden the desires of my heart become fulfilled and are satisfied because God gets what he wants. <laughs> this is not about making a wish list. This is about all of us <laughs> aligning our hearts with the Lord and say, God, help me to find my greatest pleasure and purpose in you. And Lord, I'm trusting that as I'm seeking what you seek and I'm, I'm trying to live out my faith in you and delight in you and help others know about you and, and live for the King that you're able to do more than I could ever ask or anything that I could ever imagine, that, that you can do those things. Jesus said, you, you have not because what? You ask not. And I think, I'm not adding to the Bible, but I just think combining that thought with this passage, I think sometimes we ask not because we believe not. But what I mean is, we, again, we're complacent. Well, God didn't see anything. God didn't see what I'm doing. He's... He has no expectations for my life. Just trying to survive till we get to heaven, you know, trying to make it. While he's saying, 
I can do more than you can ask or think. Come on, let's go. I have plans for your life. I, I want to use you for the kingdom. I think a way you could kind of transition to the application a little bit. So we, what, does that, what does this say about God? That he can, he's able to do more than we could ask or think or imagine. He's able to do that. And again, it's not a wish list. It's in accord with his plan, with his purposes, with his glory. But knowing that, I think, again, turning towards application, that, that should cause all of us as believers to live confidently. That God is in my corner and he, he loves, he delights in working powerfully and giving generous gifts to accomplish his purposes and, and push forward his glory. So as I live for him, I can live confidently that he's got my back. I think another way you could say this though, again, kind of returning to, to our men today and our, especially our fathers, that truth, like I said earlier, obliterates, destroys, disassembles all the excuses I give for, for being complacent as a dad or as a husband, as a man. Because if God is in my corner and he's able to do far more than I could ever think or imagine and he's, he's working out his purposes for his glory, th then I have no excuses for not living for him confidently. Uh, I'm making sense, is it? Okay, it's like I'm mixing words here. There's no excuse for living this hopeless, defeatist, complacent life as a man when, when God can do more than I could think or ask. So I, I mentioned earlier, I kind of want to do like a get on the machine gun or whatever kind of gun this is and just let, let the Lord through this text destroy some of those, those objections that we give, some of those complacencies and just think through those things. So some of the men in this room, sorry, some of the men in this room, you have this defeatist attitude when it comes to what you may even call generational sin. What I mean is you look back to your father and your grandfather and there's just certain attitudes and sins that have kind of been handed down to you. You're like, yep, I saw that in my father and now I see it in me. And you just kind of have this defeatist attitude. Of, well, I'll just, I'll just never change. And I think God through this text would remind you of 2 Corinthians 5, 16, which says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And he's able to do more than you could think or imagine. So instead of like, well, I guess I'll just always struggle with this sin. What if you said, God, I believe that you can do more than I can think or imagine. So I'm going to ask that you would help me be free from this sin, Jesus. Does God delight in prayers like that? Yes, think about if, if, if my three-year-old son hadn't came to me and was like, dad, you know what? I've been realizing I'm kind of selfish and sometimes I'm kind of rude towards Carolina Tate. Dad, could you help me with that? Do you think he has my attention? I may like, I might call him Pastor David. Like, I think my son is an angel. I don't know what's happening, right? Like, what, what is going on here? Like, oh my goodness, he has my attention. And I, here's, the, here's the thing. I don't have power to help Haddon there. I can't transform his heart. Any prayer, any request you give to your heavenly father, he has the power to transform your heart. There's always hope. So don't come to him with this or, or come to another brother. Man, I'll just always be this way. I'll never change. That is a false gospel. There is always hope because of the power of Jesus Christ. You do not have to live in defeat. You can live in victory because Christ has authority and with him, there is victory. 
You don't have to pass on that trash to your kids. Man, we need a generation of men to step up and say, it stops with me, whatever the sin is. I'm done. No excuses. Christ has power. For, for some of us men, maybe you have this attitude, maybe it's, it's not related to your family, but to your work. And at work, it's just, man, just another day, another dollar. Clocking in, and you, you, have, you have no hope, you have no expectation for God to work in your workplace. And so you don't invite him into that. And I would remind you that Jesus is not just the king at Southcrest, he's the king everywhere. And even in your workplace, he wants to be high and lifted up. So gentlemen, what if instead of approaching like, well, go to church on Sundays, then work, we just go to work. What if you approach it from, this is part of God's kingdom and I'm gonna be an ambassador here. And I want his name, his fame to be lifted up at this workplace. So I'm gonna be about sharing my faith. I'm gonna be about being intentional with relationships. What if you, what if you own a business? What if you gave your business to the Lord? What? What if you just said, Lord, this is not mine, I'm a steward. Jesus, this is yours. You're the king, do with it what you want. And what if rather than saying, well, he won't do anything, just the same old thing. What if you said, he's able to do more than I could ask or think. What if God transformed your business as just a moneymaker into a, a tool that could transform people's lives for the kingdom of God? Can he do that? Absolutely. He's able to do more than you could think or, or more than you could imagine. Some of you, you, you have wayward children and, you, and maybe you've been tempted to give up on praying for them because you're not seeing any fruit, you're not seeing any hope. And God has reminded you this morning, I'm able to do above and beyond all that you could ask or think. So don't stop praying. Or as Journey said, don't stop believing He may say, hey, do you remember the, the story of the prodigal son? Like, no matter how far someone has gone, there is hope of them coming back. So maybe you need to keep asking God that your children would return to him. Maybe you, you look at your life as a husband. You say, man, I, I can't love my my wife like I'm supposed to, like I'm just not a godly, godly leader in the home. I think God would say, have you asked for my help? I'm able to do far more than you could ever ask or, or think or imagine. So have you asked for my help? He may would remind you of what he says later in Ephesians that you're to love your wife like Christ loves the church, to sacrifice, to lay down. And you say, well, well God... Jesus, it's just hard to sacrifice. It's hard, it's hard to lay down my life so she can thrive and, and so that my wife and kids can flourish. And Jesus would say, hey, you're talking to the right guy about sacrifice. I know about sacrifice. Why don't you ask me for some help? I, I, can, I, I can, I'm able to do more than you could ask or think. What if, Brandon, what if men, you asked for my help in being a godly man, a godly husband? Again, he would say, yeah, remember I told you I know something about sacrifice and it's my power that's at work in you. So don't give up hope. Some of you say, this is, this is very prevalent. Man, there's, there's just no way I'm ever gonna have very much of a spiritual life. If we can like just draw a little, like a little 
We call it chasing a rabbit. I'm not gonna, we'll call it something different. <laughs> a little side note here, sidebar. It's kind of, I'm gonna be careful here. It's amazing how many women have a close spiritual walk with Jesus. But it's also kind of shaming how few men in comparison do have a close spiritual walk with Jesus. Does that make sense what I'm saying? It's good that the women do. But how, it's sad that how many households, the, the woman's spiritual life is up here and the man's spiritual life is way down here. Y'all, y'all tracking with me? And I think part of this is because, again, men have this complacent attitude of, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm never gonna learn to pray. I'm just never gonna learn to really read the Bible. I'll, I'll never really find my greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Y'all, that is a lie from the enemy. Like, you're living with blinders on. Don't just hear this as conviction, but as an invitation. God's saying, hey, wake up. There is hope for your spiritual life because I'm able to do more than you could ever think or ask or imagine. Gentlemen, have you asked Jesus to help you in your spiritual walk? Have you asked him to open your eyes to his glory, his grace, his beauty? Yeah, but every day just reading the Bible is difficult, it's hard. I know. Ask him for help. He's able to do more than you can think or imagine. Man, I I just, I can't lead a family devotional. There's no way. I, I just can't do that. You've bought a lie. <laughs> Complacent. God does not call us to do things he doesn't equip us for. Man, he's called us to be the spiritual leaders of our home and, and to, to uh, raise our children up in the Lord. I'm trying to think of Deuteronomy 6 right now. I'm totally drawing a blank. But to teach them to love the Lord, their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, to teach them the ways of God. He doesn't call you to do that and say, well, good luck. Psh, guess what, Holy Spirit? There's no way they can do that. <laughs> No, what he calls you to, he equips you for. And he's able to do, I'm gonna keep saying it, more than you could ever think or imagine. So lean in. What if you actually, literally, even today, tonight, tried, just open up your Bible, read a few verses, and just talk about it for two or three minutes. And you know what? If your kids are three years old, they may be running circles around you and talking nonsense, but you know what? I promise they're listening. I promise they're listening. I'd rather hear, let them be running around in circles and hearing words from scripture than whatever nonsense on TV. <laughs> Lean in. I do wanna remind us, this is not about us pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, or not that we have bootstraps. But, uh, this is, about the power of the Lord. This is not about men walking out of here saying, that's right, man, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling strong. No, it's about realizing, yeah, I'm weak, but my savior is strong. <laughs> if he can do what he did in Ephesians 2, we were dead, completely dead in our trespasses, but he saved us and raised us up with Christ. If he can give us new life in Christ when we were dead, but now we have a reconciled relationship with God, if he can do that, he can do anything. And check this out, verse 10, the end of chapter two, where he's been talking about from death to life because of the, the love that he had for us and what he's done in Christ, we're saved by grace. He says, verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Men, you know what some of those good works that God has prepared for you to do? They are to lead your family, to love your children and your wife like Christ loves the church. 
He's prepared it for you. Now it's just time to pick it up and do it. Again, it's hard. He knows it's hard. That's why he says, ask me. Just, just, I dare you, just ask me. Ask for my help. Ask for, for my life transforming power. It's not about your strength. It's about his strength. I gotta hurry up. <laughs> Hang with me, we're almost there. June 4th, 1940, Winston Churchill had been uh, prime minister for about eight months in England. And really, uh, or sorry, that's not, not true, sorry. He, t- he took over as prime minister in May, but that was eight months since the outbreak of World War II. Y'all with me? So it's June, took over in May, and that was eight months since the outbreak of World War, World War II. And for a long time, there's an incredible book called The Last Line. I'm still reading it because it's like a billion pages long. But uh, it, it details how for the longest time, the people of England and even the government wanted peace talks with Hitler and just kind of like, well, maybe this kind of this idea of maybe, maybe it'll go away. Maybe it'll all just work out if we just, like, if we don't really change anything. If we don't, if we don't get mad, we don't make too many threats. If we just kind of, if we just kind of coast, if we just kind of cruise to use the word we've used this morning, if we just are complacent, maybe it'll go away. Maybe we can avoid the conflict. Winston Churchill, however, have been for years, literally years, maybe even a decade, saying, y'all, this is not gonna go away. Hitler is a problem. And during that time, the, the Nazi army was growing and certainly in the, since the time that he had taken over as prime minister and the eight months before that, the, the massive German war machine was already beginning to take over Europe. For Churchill, Having a defeatist, complacent attitude was not acceptable as long as he felt like victory was a possibility. Man, there's, it's possible we could win. So why would we bow down to this tyrant? Why would we bow down to this dictator? So on June 4th, 1940, he stood before parliament and gave a very long speech, which I will give you the last paragraph of. <laughs> he, said, he says, I have myself full confidence that if all do their duty, if nothing is neglected, and if the best arrangements are made as they are being made, we shall prove ourselves once again able to defend our island home, to ride out the storm of war and to outlive the menace of tyranny, if necessary for years, if necessary alone. At any rate, that is what we are going to try to do. That is the resolve of his majesty's government, every man of them. That is the will of parliament and the nation. The British Empire and the French Republic linked together in their cause and in their need will defend to the death their native soil, aiding each other like good comrades to the utmost of their strength. Even though large tracts of Europe and many old and famous states have fallen or may fall into the grip of the Gestapo and all the odious apparatus of Nazi rule, we shall not flag or fail. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. 
We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. And even if, which I do not for a moment believe, this island or a large part of it were subjugated and starving, then our empire beyond the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, would carry on the struggle until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of the old. You know what I love about that speech? What's interesting is his audacity to call them to arms. But do you notice there's this sense of, of possibility? It's possible we could win. He says, even if we go at it alone, we will fight. As inspiring as that speech is, Here's where it's different when we're talking about Britain in World War II and believers and men and fathers today and on June 20th, 2021, is that we know we don't go alone. And victory is not just a possibility, victory is certain because our Savior Jesus secured it on the cross. He does not call us to do something that He won't go with us and has not paved the way for us. So men, we must fight fight, fight. Not just choose to be complacent and let this complacent, uh, wimpy manhood take over Christianity and say, we're going to fight to be the men of God that God has called us to be. We're going to fight on our knees in prayer. We're going to fight and worship with our hands in the air. We're going to fight with our hearts surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Men, will you fight with me? Men, will you fight with me? I'm gonna ask you to do something. I know, I know I'm pushing the clock, but we're gonna be okay. And before I, before I ask you to stand, let me hear this. There's some men in this room that may not have family with them, around them. And so I'm gonna ask those of you who maybe your dad's not here, you're not, you're not with your husband, whatever, to, to look for those men that may be standing alone in a moment. Y'all tracking with me? But I'm gonna ask in just a moment for all of our men to stand up. When I say men, I mean like, if you're married or you're, or you're a dad, well, I know it doesn't mean you're not a man, my college guys and high school guys, not a man, not a man, sorry. But just, just for, for the sake of not creating chaos in the room, if you're married, if you're a dad, in just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to stand. I'm gonna ask those around you to pray for the men. Pray that they'll fight. Pray that they'll be the godly men God has called them to be. You're with me? And I'm gonna ask you, I know, I know we're Baptists, but you know what? I'm gonna ask you to pray out loud. What? I'm gonna ask you to pray out loud. And I'm gonna give you a moment to do that. And then after that, man, I, please, please hear me. After that, I'm gonna challenge the men. If you're here with your wife or your family, I'm gonna, yeah, challenge is the right word. Challenge you to bring your family down front. I'll give you the cue and lead them in prayer down here. Not because we're trying to make some cool altar thing, but because Again, I've said a billion times, I keep saying it. Sometimes, even though decisions don't happen at altars, they happen in hearts, sometimes just putting action can kind of solidify it in your heart and mind, right? That, hey, I'm serious. As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. So in a moment, as you stand, I'm gonna ask for the families, whoever's gathered to pray for the men. And then when I signal, I'm gonna ask the men to bring your families down front and to lead them in prayer in a posture of being surrendered to the Lordship of Christ, knowing that he has authority and with him, there's victory. Y'all with me? Make sense? Okay. So men, if you would, fathers, husbands, would you stand? Grandfathers? And I'm gonna ask those around you 
to stand and pray for you as well. And even if you're, you're, you're the cousin or the sister or whatever, you can pray for them. So if y'all would stand beside them and pray with them. I'll give you just a moment to do that. I know a lot of y'all are still praying, but would you, would you come down front and pray? And even if your family is not here this morning, I think you can still come down front and just pray that you would, would be the godly man that God has called you to be. So I'm gonna ask you, if you can't make it down, man, there's no shame in that. But if you can, we'd love for you to lead your family down and in the posture of surrender to the Lord. That would be incredible. And I'll let you lead your prayer, or yeah, lead your wife, your family, whoever, in prayer. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the gift of family, the gift of fatherhood. God, we pray that as men, we would put off excuses, put off complacency, and be the men you've called us to be. God, that we would be men after your own heart, that we would strive to be like you, Lord. We know we can't be the fathers you want us to be without spending time with our fathers. So God, would you help us to learn to be in your presence? And Lord, just as a simple step, would you help us to tell our families about our fathers, tell them about you, whether it's through what we read or what you're teaching us as we're praying, Lord, that we would pass on those truths, pass on who you are to the next generation. Lord, would we declare this morning that we're gonna serve you Lord, for those families who have drifted, for, for kids who have, have wandered off, God, we humbly ask that you would bring them back. And we know that they're in your hands. It may look like they're in the enemy's hands, God, but we know that you hold all things together. So Lord, we look to you for your help. 
for your guidance, for your wisdom, knowing that you are able to do more than we could ask or think above and beyond. Thank you, Jesus. You start making your way back to your seat. We're gonna close with the song that we sang a minute ago. And man, I would love us to stand up and sing this together and make this an anthem. And you don't have to be a man to sing this song, but men, I sure hope that, I sure hope I can hear you on this one. So if y'all would, y'all stand and we'll sing this together. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 